If you have it, say praise the Lord. I want to thank God for the service Sunday morning, Sunday night. I know God really did a work and um, does some great things in y'all's lives. And I'm really, I'm probably more thankful than you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're thankful tonight for His goodness and mercy and grace. Okay, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. If you have it, say praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. And I won't read the whole chapter. I'll let you sit down. Father, we come before you right now. I ask your blessing to be on the preaching and teaching of your holy word. Let me do it with humility, Father God, trusting in your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Book of Proverbs is amazing. Okay, verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now the word instruction as we have seen before means discipline. It means correction. Amen. Discipline or correction. Instruction. You can't learn without instruction. It is important for us to receive instruction so that we can learn. Uh, but because the word instruction is connected to discipline, this is teaching us something very important. And that is, if we need correction, what does that mean? That means we've slipped. Did you catch that? That means we have slipped. So if we have slipped then and we love correction... That means God is teaching us that when we slip or not what we are supposed to be, that there can be a correction in that. See, now the devil wants you to think once you make, once you do something wrong, I'm not going to just say make a mistake. But I'm talking about sin or do something wrong that it's done, it's over, you might as well forget it. Okay? Uh, there was a teaching in some churches, not in this particular church, but in some churches that once you got baptized in Jesus' name, you were expected to live a sinless life. Now, I'm not condoning sin. Please don't. Sin is a destructive power, man. It, it, it's worse than cancer. It'll destroy our life. Okay, so I'm not condoning cancer. But what I'm saying is this, is that the idea that once you get baptized in Jesus' name, that you should never fail, ever fail, okay, that was a teaching that was in some churches. Uh, be great, wouldn't it, if we could live like that? That once we got water baptized in the name of the Lord for the mission of our sins, filled the Holy Ghost, that we never did anything wrong from that day forward until we went to heaven? Amen? Now, we should, we should try not to do wrong. We should try not to sin. And I say try, you know, okay? But this word right here is showing me that there are times when we're going to come up short. There are times when we are going to slip in our walk with God. And that's a reality uh, in your thoughts or your words or your action. And then at that point, the devil wants to come in and just lower the boom. And he wants to put heavy condemnation on you. He wants to put guilt on you. He wants to drive you out of the church, makes you feel absolutely hopeless, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing. But according to the Word of God, if we love instruction, that means correction. When we slip, that means we have the ability 
to get right with God again. Amen? We have the ability to come uh, back to God. That's important for us to understand. God is a God of grace and mercy. He's not up there in heaven just waiting for us to make a mistake so He can just come down with a hammer and, and beat us over the head with it. He's not like that. Amen? He knows, he knows the battles, the temptations that we have, the struggles that we have in life. And when we come up short, and we all do at times, we have the ability if, listen, if we will receive the correction, if we'll receive the instruction, with that comes knowledge. What is the knowledge? It's the knowledge on how to overcome. It's the knowledge on how to get right with God again and then how to overcome. If it comes back around, same temptation, same test, same trial comes because we know from the past when we failed, we learn from that. We love knowledge. We love the, the correction uh, that came to us because in that correction, we gain knowledge and understanding. So next time, by the grace of God, we won't fall. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, I think it's important as we see, verse 2, A good man obtain a favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Uh, so if you are a righteous person, again, this is teaching you very important. The book of Proverbs are teaching us that practical godliness, okay, practical godliness is to your advantage. And that's another thing the devil wants to come and tell you. Well, it's better in the world. It's better living for the devil, you know. Since you started living for God, it's just hard and you know, all of those kinds of lies that come from the devil. But the Bible teaches us that a good man, a righteous man, is going to receive favor from the Lord. So practical godliness, a, a lifestyle that's lived for the Lord, is something that is going to bring blessing to your life. So that's another way the enemy tries to get to us. Because But a, a man of wickedness, a wicked devices, he will condemn, God will condemn. Now verse 3, going back really to what I was saying in verse 1, a man shall not be established by wickedness. Means he won't have a foundation. There will be no foundation in that person's life. They will not be established. But the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Now notice what it says. The root of the righteous shall not be moved. Now where are you rooted? Are we rooted in the earth? Do we get our life from the earth? Okay, not as a believer. See, uh, unbelievers have their roots in this earth. They receive the sap of this world as their life, okay? That's why we had to be cut down, brought to a place under conviction, cut down in repentance before God because there was a time when we were rooted in this world. Now, in the tabernacle study, remember we talked about the acacia tree, okay? The wood that was used in the planks of the tabernacle. Well, they were in this earth. They were feeding from the sap of this world. So they had to be cut off, cut down, which is a picture of the believer falling before God in repentance, taken out of the earth, planed down, okay, with a planer, made smooth, made straight, and then overlaid with gold. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so... Before you became a believer, your roots then were in the earth. And your whole life was about the world. Then Jesus brought conviction to your life, just like Paul. He's on the road to Damascus. God struck him down. 
Amen. Blinded by the glory of God, fell on his face, and he cried out to God. So before you're a believer, your roots then were in the world, receiving the life from the world. You were all about the world, but God had to cut us down. means convict us, bring us to a place of repentance. We fall down before him now. He lifts us up. But our roots are not in the world. Our roots are in heaven. Okay, so you as a tree, a tree of God then, not rooted in the earth, you're rooted in heaven. So you as a tree are inverted. Does everybody understand what I mean? See, the roots are up here. Everything else is down here. The limbs and the leaves are all hanging down here. Now what happens if, if you and I fail or you sin against God? Well, that affects what you see. It affects the limbs. It affects the leaves, right? But because if you and I slip, because our roots are in heaven, that means that we can come back. Right? So don't let the enemy ever tell you that you can never come back because you are rooted in heaven. And as a result of that, notice what the Bible says. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous, a godly person, shall not be moved. Even when you slip, even if I slip because we're rooted in heaven, that means that we can come back. Say amen. I can come back. The life can begin to flow in me again. Praise God. And you might, I, might look, I might look withered. My leaves might look all dried up. My, my limbs might look like, you know, they're dead. Praise God. But because I'm rooted in heaven, I can come back by the sake, for the sake of the sin of water. You've been to sprout again. Right? Say praise the Lord. And so some of y'all see right now the trees. They come through winter. And they all look dead. The leaves fall off of them, you know, except evergreens. Leaves fall off of them. They all look dead. And then all of a sudden, man, the bright sun, warmth, and the, the rains come. And pretty soon what looked dead from the roots, that sap begins to flow again. And what looked dead, you have foliage and life again. So God is that kind of God. As long as you're rooted in heaven. Now, if you in you know, get back like this, you revert to type. That means now you, instead of being rooted in heaven, now you root back in the earth. Guess what's going to happen? Nothing good. But as long as you stay rooted in heaven, no matter what it looks like on the outside, when it's slipping and coming short of the glory of God, because of the sin of water, the Spirit of God, can be, give life to you, can come back alive again. The, the limbs can grow and the leaves, the foliage will be green again. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I'm, I'm thankful tonight for that. Amen. Verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is a rottenness in his bones. Everybody said amen. Now, I want to tell you before I get into this too heavy, this can go both ways. A husband can be a rottenness to his wife. So it goes both ways. So when I, when I start talking about, you know, you women out there say, well, he always talks about us. He never talks about anybody, anything else. Well, it goes both ways, okay? So I've known good women with really not so good, I'm not going to say bad, but not so good husbands. And I've known some husbands that didn't have, you know, not so good wives. 
So it goes both ways. Say praise the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So again, verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. A virtuous woman is a godly woman. Virtuous woman is a good woman. Praise the Lord. Virtuous woman, gracious woman. Uh, but then we talk about another kind of woman. And uh, this other woman makes a sh- uh, her husband ashamed. It's a rottenness in his bones. She's not a good wife. Okay? Amen. Say praise the Lord. Now, she might have a pretty face, but it's not about a pretty face. We've already talked about the pig with the ring in it, you know? Yeah. In its nose. It's not about how good they look, how pretty they are. It's what's in the heart. Now, I think a perfect example of this is 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, I'm not going to turn over there and read the story. Y'all know the story real well. But there's a man there by the name of Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives. One's, one wife's name was Penina. Penina. And the other, other wife's name was Hannah. Now, he had, so he had two wives. And uh, so anyway, we won't get into that. But in the Old Testament, sometimes that happened. And uh, when you read the story, you know, Penina and Hannah, there's a contrast in temperament and tongue. The difference between Penina and Hannah was temperament and tongue. Okay? Penina used her tongue. It was sharp. Uh, it was spiteful. It was used by her to provoke. Okay? She was the kind of woman, she might have had a pretty face, but there would be no peace in Elkanah's home because of her tongue and her temperament. She was always stirring up trouble. She was jealous of Hannah, but it was Penina that was having the babies. And Hannah was barren. In Old Testament Scripture, if you were barren as a woman, man, that was a big deal. That was a reproach on you. You know, you you were looked at basically as some kind of curse from God was on your life. And Hannah couldn't have any children, you know. But Hannah was virtuous. Hannah was a good woman. Hannah was a, a godly woman. Uh, a woman that was not always stirring at trouble and, you know, causing problems in the home. Instead of provoking with her tongue, she prayed. Amen. Now, probably after Elkanah married Penina, he probably wondered in his mind, why in the world did I ever do that? <laughs> Amen. Because there was just no, no peace. Say, no peace with Penina. Okay? And, and probably he just, you know, he saw a pretty face one day and he said, man, she sure is pretty. And brought her into his house and married her. And there wasn't, it wasn't one day of peace the rest of his, days, man, you know, always provoking, hallelujah, her temperament, she's always wanting to fight all the time, angry all the time, I mean, that's in the Bible, okay, that was her temperament, and so, and the thing about it is, is it doesn't make a lot of sense, because Elkanah did not neglect Penina, amen, the Bible doesn't, there was no reason for her to be jealous over Hannah, Elkanah was a good husband. He didn't neglect Penina. He didn't neglect Hannah. But for some reason, Penina 
was just that kind of a person. Her temperament and her tongue. Just destroying everything that she possibly could, man. Provoking Hannah and making Hannah feel bad. and Just always stirring up problems all the time in the house. Amen. And Hannah, the one, the good one, I say the good one. Amen. The better one, I should say. She's the one that's not giving birth to any children. And she's in a lot of sorrow over that. Uh, she's grieving over the fact that she cannot have children. And so what does she do? Well, she doesn't stir up a lot of trouble like Panana because she doesn't have the spirit of Panana. She doesn't have the temperament of Panana. She's got a gracious heart. Her name, Hannah, means grace. And what does she do? The Bible says instead of provoking and causing problems, um, blaming somebody for her barrenness, she goes to God in prayer. And you know what God did? God heard Hannah's prayer. And the Bible says as a result of her prayer, God supernaturally gave Hannah Samuel. One of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament was Samuel. And it came out of prayer by a woman by the name of Hannah praying supernaturally God gave her a child. And what did she do when she had the child? She took it back and gave it to God. So you gave it to, gave me Samuel, I'm going to give him back to you. And it travel, every year they would travel. And they'd go up there and they would see. He was up there with Eli. And he'd go up there, go up there and see uh, what kind of prophet that Samuel was becoming under the, the tutelage of Eli. Every year, just go check him out. Gave him to God and left him in the hands of God. Praise the Lord. Now that took a lot of faith. That was her firstborn son, supernatural child from God. But she said, I'm going to give that this one to God. I'm going to trust God with him. And God can make out of him whatever he wants to make out of him. And they would go to the house of God. And they would check on Samuel every year. Praise the Lord. Bring him some gifts. Check and see how he was doing, you know. And would you believe that God gave Elkanah and Hannah even some more children? On top of Samuel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Hannah was the kind of woman that we see here in the Bible and talks about. She was a crown to her husband. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Crown. Strength. Gave him strength. Hallelujah. Was a protector of her husband. Amen. We need that in these, these hours, don't we, men? Praise the Lord. We need wives that are strong, that will protect us. Hallelujah. That will stand with us. Amen. Y'all with me here today? That will strengthen us instead of pull us down. Yeah. While well, the men are saying amen, all the men are saying, preach it, pastor. Hallelujah, man. But I know we got some Hannahs in this house. We have Hannahs in this house. I was thinking about it while the song, the singing was going forth, you know, the Hannahs that were singing. And then some of y'all that were up here in the front and even in the back, I didn't turn around and look, but the worship, see how powerful that is? The prayer and the worship. I can't tell you. See, that's what the enemy's after. He wants to oppress you. He wants to push you down. He wants to keep your praise down. He, he wants to keep you discouraged. Because when the women of God get a hold of God in the house of God, supernatural things begin to happen. 
Amen. Children begin to be born in the kingdom of God because the, the handmaidens of the Lord know how to get in touch with God by prayer. Amen. And things might not be going just exactly like you want them to, but you know how to get a hold of God. You know how to pray. You know how to, to touch the throne of God and to believe God for a change, supernatural change to come. And I cannot tell you how powerful what I felt in the beginning part of this service, the worship that was coming from the handmaidens of the Lord God Almighty in this house, just the power, the presence of God. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big crybaby anyway, but I couldn't keep the tears back, man, because you could feel God Almighty in this place. See, that, that's why you women are so important. You are so important to the kingdom of God. Amen? Godly women that are like Hannah, gracious, know how to touch the throne of God, know how to pray, know how to turn things around, know how to change things in the spirit through the power of prayer, believing in God. Even when it's impossible. Even when your womb is barren. And physically it's impossible to say, no, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to be gracious. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be a woman of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to retain my integrity. Praise God. I mean, I know life sometimes is hard and, and battles come and, and we're, none of us are perfect, okay? And, and sometimes we, we do things wrong and we handle things wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. That's what the enemy wants to do is to keep you in that place because you are powerful when you're moving like Hannah moved. I can't tell you how much of a difference, woman of God, that y'all make when you're moving with God in the Spirit. I can't tell you how much difference that you make in a church service. Woo! Hallelujah to the Lamb. The power of God way it moves. It's amazing. There was nothing in Hannah before she had children that would commend her faith. She just, the Bible said, you know what, she'd go to church and praise God. Times they, they didn't even miss, they didn't even understand her. Eli himself didn't even understand her. He thought she was a drunk, he, he thought she was a drunk woman. The way her mouth was moving, you know, he couldn't, couldn't make out what she was talking about and things. He thought she was a drunk woman. No, she's praying and seeking God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So even Eli, even Eli misinterpreted Hannah's pain. But Hannah kept holding on to God Almighty. Lived up to her name, didn't she? She got a supernatural miracle from God Almighty. Hallelujah. That's tough to be barren. It is. It's tough to be barren. Praise God. Was it Rachel said, give me children or I'm going to die? There's something about a woman. Love children. Women love children. Mamas love children. And if something happens to the children, man, they just want to die. You know, that's where she was. But she prayed, she sought God, and God intervened on her behalf and turned it all around. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're not, we're not celebrating Penina tonight. <laughs> She's not a crown to her husband. She's rotten just to the bone, man. She's a, a not-so-good woman to wear a man completely down, man. Amen. You got the power of influence. Use your influence for the right reason. Use your influence to strengthen, to encourage. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
You, you don't know how powerful you are. The way you strengthen your man, not walk over there and kick him in the butt. I said, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't be talking like that. That's not, how you, that's not how you encourage him or get him to do what you want him to do. You start encouraging him. You, you, you say, say good things about him. Praise the Lord. Strengthen him. Amen. Be a crown to his head. Praise God. Amen. You start, instead of always telling him what he's doing wrong all the time, sometimes tell him what he's doing right. Man, all of a sudden he'll pop out his chest, buttons will pop off. Amen. Praise the Lord. You'd be surprised. You might, you'd probably be shocked, some of you, if you change your approach, start being a crown to your husband, hallelujah, and encouraging him and, and telling him about the good things he does. What, what might come from that, you might be shocked. He might give you the world. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you can make a huge difference. Now, I want to tell you, Panana turned her house into a suburb of hell. And you can too. And Hannah, but Hannah turned her house into a suburb of heaven. So I thank God for the Hannahs that are in the, in the house of God tonight. Because you can turn your house into hell, hole, or you can turn your house into heaven. It's up to you. And as I said, it goes both ways. You know, there's, some, there's, some, there's some Hannahs in the house that are married to, I think, oh, what's his name? Nabal. <laughs> Hannah's married to Nabal, I think. Praise the Lord. Nabal, he was churlish. He, was, he died of a heart attack. He was so hard-hearted, you know. Praise the Lord. But anyway, it goes both ways. But I thank God for the Hannahs that are in the house of God tonight. I praise God for you. Women of God. Women of God. There, there is no, no devil in hell can stop this church from having revival with the kind of worship that you sisters were sending up. Before God tonight, nothing can stop it. And God just, just, he just, he enjoyed setting you free. Letting you free, setting you free, amen. From the lies of the enemy. Get your feet on the right track again, praise the Lord. And Amen. If at times, if at times you act like Penina, remember you're a tree rooted in the heavens. You can come back. You can change. You can overcome. You can learn. You can be a better person. But you have to love instruction. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. I, I thank God. Most of you have been Hannah more than you've been Penina. Right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord for that, right? A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is a rottenness in his bones, man. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the Word of God. How many of y'all want heaven at your home? You want heaven at your home? Okay. Your sister's got a big, big say in that. You, you, you can have heaven or you can have hell. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Why are you looking at me like that? You're like, I'm, I know what I'm saying is the truth. Amen. One of my kids one time was in Sunday school and they were little. 
And they were talking about, you know, they, they looked at the teacher and said, we had hell at our house. <laughs> and they were talking about the white stuff coming down, you know. And the teacher, teacher, teacher didn't know. Yeah, the pastor's children. The child was saying that they had hell. At, they didn't know what to do with that. And we explained. We were talking about the white stuff, you know. Come, Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, I want heaven at my house. I don't want hell at my house. Don't you value peace? Penina didn't value peace. Hannah did. I put, a, I put a high premium on peace. Praise God. Amen. I'm like the red-headed red Scottish, red-headed, red-headed Irish man. I'm going to have peace in my house if i got to fight for it. <laughs> peace is important to me. Praise the Lord God. So you've been acting like Penina. Amen. Just blame it on the hormones and go on. <laughs> And that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm rooted in heaven. I'm a, I'm a Hannah. I'm not a Penina. I'm blaming on my hormones. I had a, I'm just having a bad time right now. But I'll repent. Thank you, Jesus. How many want heaven in your house? Before you get married, amen, remember, you got a Penina or you got a Hannah. Which one are you going to pick? It goes both ways now, right? Make sure you get a man of God. Okay, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Now, what are thoughts? Thoughts have to do with your aims, your motives, your intentions. And uh, a righteous person, remember I told you, Proverbs, practically speaking, shows you how wonderful it is to live a godly life. Uh, So the thoughts, the aims, the purposes, the desires... Uh, the intentions of the righteous, the Bible says, are right. But the counsel of the wicked are what? They're deceitful. That's why we come to the house of God. Amen? In the book of Hebrews, it talks about that the Word of God is quick and sharper and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And is a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. That means it's a critic. When he come to the house of God, if our intentions or intentions are not right, our motives, our aims are not right, then the Word of God does surgery on us. It does surgery in your heart, man. It reveals now the way you're thinking is not right. Your aims, your goals, your your in, intentions—they're not what they should be. Hebrews four twelve through thirteen. Amen. So it's important that we have the right thoughts. Why is that? Because so a thought reap a what? Action. So an action reap a what? Character. So a character reap a what? Destiny. Yeah. Let me say it again for all of all of you that just are sitting there like blown away. Mind, you mind blown. So a thought reap an action. So an action reap a character. So a character, and you reap a destiny. That's why it's important that we think right. Because the enemy is really, he's always coming after our minds. He really is. Praise God. I bow sometimes, man. If it wasn't for God's divine intervention, I'd have made some bad decisions. Amen. My thinking wasn't right. And sometimes you just kind of have to get away from everything just a little bit and go to God in prayer. Say, God, what do I need to do with this? Because I'm really getting crazy here right now. My thinking's not right, okay? And there's a lot at stake. 
You know, and you'll be surprised when you do that. You go to God in prayer. He knows, he knows when it's urgent. I'm going to say it again. He knows when it's urgent. And if it's urgent, he'll come and speak right then. And he'll give you another direction to go. Doesn't mean everything's all fixed. Doesn't mean everything is exactly the way you want it. But what he's going to do is going to give you a different way to handle it. And I thank God for that. Woo! Because in the heat of the moment, you can make decisions that you'll regret in the future if God doesn't intervene. See, so the Word of God is a critic. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. God knows. He knows all of our intentions tonight. He knows our thoughts. He knows our aims, what we're going to do. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a character. So a character, reap, reap a destiny. Amen? So the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. I mean, I'll believe that. Verse 6, the words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Amen? We're talking about the words of the wicked man here. It's about blood. It's about violence. And we knew, know a story in the Word of God. <clears throat> Naboth in uh, the kings, Naboth had a vineyard. Ahab wanted that vineyard, right? And uh, so he couldn't get it. He went sulking, went laying in his bed, sulking like a big baby, his thumb in his mouth, you know. And Jezebel saw King Ahab there in the bed, you know, all sulking because he couldn't get Naboth's vineyard. And she said, well, what's going on? What's, what's the problem here? And uh, she found out he wanted Naboth's vineyard. What did she do? She hired false gossipers to come and speak lies about Naboth. And as a result of that, that man was killed. Just so Ahab could have his vineyard, that man was killed. When I was thinking about that, this, it kind of crossed my mind. You know, God let that happen. God let that righteous man be brought down by the evil words of a gossiper. See, sometimes God, He won't step in and people say things. Amen? Violent words. Slanderous things. Lies. Do you know sometimes God won't step in and, and stop that? Do you know some, there, there have been ministers that have been taken down by lies and by gossip. There have been good men and good women who have been destroyed. Their reputations, their ministries, even at times the occupations that they have. Because somebody lied about them. And God let it happen. That, that really, that sticks, that really makes me realize that sometimes you see, in life, it's not foolproof, man. There are some wicked people in this world. They start planning plans to bring you down. God might just let it happen. Now in the end, God, of course, brought vengeance on Jezebel and she was slain. Right? Primarily because of what she did to Naboth. Retaliation from God. Vindication from God. But he didn't stop. A very evil, wicked woman, gossiping woman, did not stop her from destroying a good man. Sometimes it happens. And I think too, is a lot of that is because a lot of people are, are so quick and so willing to believe. You know what I'm saying? In fact, some people are actually looking for something bad. So, well, oh, yeah, oh, 
Yeah, I always thought, no, no, no. So you verify it. You verify it. See, gossip's a very dangerous thing because it can, it can cause the words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood. It can cause the death of somebody. See, that's why what I said Sunday night is so important. You know, people writing things down, cheap shots and stuff like that. Man, you better put that stuff away from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm not going to say who I think it is, but I said a name in, in, I was supposed to go off to bed and I said a name. My wife said, God, I, I, she said, I just thought the same person. Okay, so it said I have verified truth, okay, that it is that person. I'm not just going to, you know, act on what I feel or what she felt together. But it's interesting that what, what I said, and she said I thought the, thought the same person. So God probably already, he, I know God has your number, but He may have already revealed it to us. But you take cheap shots at people, man. Use words, violent words to destroy people. Guess what? God hears that. And, and get, he, he'd probably let it go. He'd probably let it happen. But eventually He'll make it right. Amen. So remember, your words, my words and your words are very powerful. We can use them to edify, to save, or we can use them to destroy. And we'll get a little bit further into that in just a minute. We'll see words are like a, a, a knife. Man, they're piercing. Sometimes a word is sharper than a knife, man. So put a, somebody put a knife in, you know, that's not really good. It hurts. But sometimes word hurt worse than a knife put inside of you, man. You know, you, we got to be careful with the words because the Bible says the words of the wicked, not the righteous, but the words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. See, are you, are you the kind of person that destroys? Or are you the kind of person that frees? Are you the kind of person that destroys people's lives? Or are you the kind of person that when you speak, it brings salvation and freedom to their life? See, the righteous, when they speak, amen, the, the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. It comes out of the mouth of a woman or a man of God, words fitly spoken at a time, that word really can, can deliver people, save people. Because you live in a voice-activated kingdom. I live in a voice-activated kingdom. What you say with your mouth can become a reality in the spirit. It activates things in the spirit world. So you be very, very careful that you're not the kind of person that uses words to destroy people, destroy their reputation. Amen. Violence. You're the kind of person that seeks to free people. See people delivered with your mouth. Hallelujah. Bring salvation. Bring healing. Help somebody. Encourage somebody. Say praise the Lord. And I, I know, I know, some of that's immaturity. And maybe the person that did that Sunday just, you know, they're just being stupid. But I'm still going to tell you, that hurts. So you got to be careful what you do with your words. All right? Say praise the Lord. Amen. The wicked are overthrown and are not, verse 7, but the house of the righteous shall stand. I believe that, don't you? If you notice a little word that keeps showing up, I'm just teaching you simple truths today. Okay? Yeah, what is that simple word that keeps showing up? Anybody discern it yet? That's not a little word, that's a big word. 
What's the little word in all of these verses? But, but, little word, that little word upon which great truths, that little word is the hinge upon which great truths swing in the book of Proverbs. Okay, but we have a contrast. This little word, hinge, great things are hinging on that. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous will stand. How many of y'all believe the parable of Jesus or the word of Jesus Christ that talks about some people build their house on the sand, some people build their house on a rock. Some people build their house on a solid rock. Jesus Christ, the word of God. And there's other people that build their house on the sand. Now guess what? Everybody has trouble. Everybody has storms. You build your house on the sand. When the storms come, the winds come, you won't remain. The Bible says you'll be overthrown if you're wicked. But if you're righteous, the Bible tells us the house of the righteous shall stand. Amen. When the storms come, and they are going to come, we are not exempt from trouble. We're not ex exempt from the storms of life. But because you built your life on what? Not just a knowledge of the Word of God. Read where Jesus is teaching this. I believe it's in Matthew chapter 7. I think it's right. Might be wrong. Somebody verify if you want to. But where Jesus is teaching that, what does He say? It's people that obey the Word of God that are building their house on a solid rock. Not people that hear it only, but people who obey it. See, we can have a knowledge of the Word of God, man. You know, we can know the Bible inside and out with knowledge, but if you're not obeying the Word of God, if you're not living it, then you're the person that's building your house on the sand. And I promise you, the storms are going to come, and it's going to, you, you won't make it. I won't make it either. Okay, just so you know where I am on this, I can't make it without God. I can't make it without God. I can't make it without the Word of God. And I can't, I can't make it without obeying the Word of God. Amen? Because you obey the Word of God, and when the storms come, you'll stand. If you don't obey God's Word, it's coming, and you're going to fall. Well, you look at Noah. He obeyed God. And his house remained standing. You look at Lot, though. He didn't obey God at times. And pretty soon, he lost his family. Somebody said, praise the Lord. So it's important for us to obey the Word of God. Simple truths here. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. Amen? The test is coming. How many of y'all believe the test is coming? We all have tests. What happens when, when the tests and the trials come? Amen. What if, what if we're not obeying God? See, obeying God means I'm not right with the Lord. Okay? So what, what's this verse telling you? It's telling you tonight, if you're not right with God, get right with God. The important, the, the intensity of practical godliness in the book of Proverbs. The intensity of it. If you're not right with God today, I don't care who you are. Little, 
old, whatever. Man, woman, child, whatever. If you're not right with God, get right with God tonight. Amen? Obey God. It's important. The Bible goes on and says in verse 8, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. If you want, if you want respect, okay? Now, something that, two things a man needs he can't live without. This is literally true. Can't live without sex and he can't live without respect. Okay? Now, praise the Lord. Now, we're not getting into debate and all that tonight, but I'm just going to tell you. Okay? That's a part of who he is. Sex and respect. You, you hold back those two and he'll go to pieces on you. Alright? So, I'll let you men say, well, I, you, you don't respect me. You should respect me. Well, the Bible tells you who's going to get respect. And it's a wise person. So if I'm not being respected, if you're not being respected, we might want to look at our life and see if we're walking in wisdom. Because a person who's walking in wisdom and has wisdom will be a respected individual. Say praise the Lord. So there's one thing to want to demand respect. I demand respect. Right? No. You've got to have wisdom in order to have respect. Now, obviously, we want respect and honor to come from God. Now, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to take you to heaven with that? These are practical, godly teachings, man. Okay? I'm sorry I'm not like... <sighs> taking you to the stars like... Okay? But I'm doing my best. How many of y'all want respect? Men and women want respect, right? Well, then be wise. Praise the Lord. How many wise people out there I got out there? Wise women and men. There you go. Yeah, all right. Had a whole house full. I didn't even look up. But he that is a perverse heart, that means crooked. Amen? Shall be what? Despised. Now, despised by God? Despised by God. That's big, man. You want God to respect you, then walk in the wisdom of His Word. If you don't walk in the wisdom of God's Word, God will despise you. You don't want to be despised by God. And if God despises you at some point, everybody else will start despising you too. How many want honor, respect? Then be a person of wisdom. Verse 9, He that is despised and hath a servant. Now I'm going to read this slow because this is a mouthful. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. So this is a proverb about appearance. Appearance. Say appearance. We got one, one guy here that is putting on a show. He's putting on an appearance of something, okay? And look at it. Look at it again so we'll see what we're talking about here. He that honoreth himself lacks bread. So he lacks bread, but yet he's putting on a show, an appearance that he has something. But you see, 
This is a hypocrisy. Okay? Instead, now listen, this is careful. What he should do, instead of acting like he's got it all together, appearance-wise, he should humble himself and labor. Or, if it's not a question of labor, he should humble himself and ask some questions to get some help. Because he doesn't have the bread that he needs and bread speaks of the Word of God. He doesn't have knowledge of the Word of God that he needs. Or it could be literal bread. But he wants to go through life acting like he's a great man. See, he, he, he honors himself, but he doesn't have what he needs. It's all appearance. Okay? So the Bible tells us that the, at a person... That a despised, a humble person hath a servant is better than that person. Amen? See? Yeah, because they're not acting like they're anything, but they've got a servant. They have something is what he's saying. They have something without acting like they have anything. Right? Better to be a humble person, despised person, with a servant than to don't have any bread and walk around and act like you do. Man, we live in a world today where people are pretenders. They walk around, man, they honor themselves, make them make an appearance that they are really great, but they don't have anything. They don't have any bread, physically or spiritually. Man, no, no, no. If I'm in that position today and I don't have bread, but I'm trying to appear like I do, I need some bread. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to labor to get some bread. I'm going to set my appearance aside and say, I'm going to work. i got to get some bread. I don't care what I look like. I need some bread to eat. And if it's about knowledge, instead of walking around in like a fool and thinking you already know everything, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm say, you know, I'm going to humble myself because I need some bread. I need, I need some direction. And I'm not going to act like I know. I'm not going to act like I got it all together, you know. Say praise the Lord, man. I'd rather people look at me, amen, and maybe come to, the, maybe in their mind say, he's nothing, and have plenty of bread. Literally and spiritually. Right? Hey, there's some people that are like that, man. They drive old cars, wear old clothes, they're billionaires. They're millionaires. You know why they're millionaires? Because they live frugal and they don't have much debt. You couldn't tell by looking at them that they've got bread. People might even despise them, look down on them. But they got more than you got. And you're walking around acting like you something. That's the point. Say praise the Lord. I'd rather be that kind of person. You got all kinds of bread, man. You got money and knowledge and everything else. But you don't look it. People might even look down on you. 
instead of the person that's trying to put on the show, got all the fancy clothes and everything. Praise the Lord. Don't have nothing to eat. Nice clothes, but nothing to eat. <laughs> Y'all get the point. Talking about how great they are. The reality is not there. See, what he's saying is there's false appearances. False appearances. Look at your neighbor and ask him a question. Do you have the goods? Or are you just acting like you do? <clears throat> Amen. See, we're going to talk about the Bible's going to talk about a little bit about people who are rich and don't have anything. Amen. Richer and rich, but poor. Then we have some that are poor but are rich. Which means you got some people who, who are trying to put out that they're something and they're not. And then there's some people that hide who they are, but they got the goods. Woo! Amen? There's some people out there that want you to thank their scholars. And they don't have. And then there's some that don't want you to thank their scholars, but they got a lot of knowledge of the Word of God. See? It's all about appearances. Somebody said amen. Are y'all alright? So how many of y'all would rather be the, the despised man that's got a servant than the man who honors himself and don't have no bread? It's all about appearance. Nah. It's better for us to humble ourselves, to labor when we need to labor. It's better to humble ourselves and ask questions when we need to ask questions. Say, hey, you know, I just don't know. I just don't have the answer. Woo! Instead of living a life of false appearance. Amen. Y'all okay? Okay. All right. I'm having a good time. I know y'all are... He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. God's word powerful. He's a powerful man. Appearances, you know. People like appearances. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. Don't start talking about what you can do if you can't do it. Because eventually you're going to be found out. <laughs> You can only talk a good talk for a little while. Pretty soon it's going to catch up with you, man. Okay. Y'all all right? Little church. If I was a better preacher, a better teacher, I'd have a house full. Okay. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I know the reality. <laughs> amen. Say amen. Let's go on. Okay. Uh, verse 10. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. And I think all of these next few verses related to work. A work. Okay. 
And I think the beast of burden is what it's talking about here, especially in that culture. <clears throat> but a godly person, in, in, in general sense as a whole, will take better care of their animals than somebody that's ungodly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just a reality. I tell you, one, one way I know for sure that my wife is a godly woman is how much she cares about animals. She loves our dogs. She wants to make sure they're walked, you know, and she wants to make sure they're fed and got plenty of water. And I do too, but not like her. And she, you know, and, and that's not a put down, but she lists, the, she got like three or four bags full of snacks for the dog. Her dogs are, she treats her dog better than she does us. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just telling you, like Brother Dash used to say, they had this little dog, little dog, you know, and he would always say, he said, when I die, I want to come back as Sister Dice's dog. <laughs> Sister Dice took care of that dog, loved that little dog. So Brother Dice says, when I die and come back, I want to come back as Sister Dice's dog. You know, when I die, I want to come back and, and be Sister Christina's dog. <laughs> Man, they get snacks, you know. She can't, no, and that's not a put down. Don't, don't be a banana. I'll stand over here. Amen. But how many of you remember whenever, before you became a believer, you took everything out on the animals? You kick them, cuss them, have a bad day. Poor dog comes up there and wants to just be pet. You kick them in the mouth, man. Cuss them. Poor dog. Cat threw the cat across the room. Amen. Right, throw it up in the air, see how high you can throw it up there to see if it comes back down and lands on all four or not. You know, because you said a cat always lands on its feet. So you tested that reality. Woo! You know what I mean? Cat has nine lives. You tested that reality. No, that's before you knew God, man. You were cruel, even cruel to your animals. Then you got God in your life, right? Man, you, you, you changed your attitude. You even changed toward the animals. Praise God. You know, Nineveh. Y'all remember Nineveh? Y'all heard of Nineveh? Jonah went and preached to Nineveh. Yet 40 days Nineveh be destroyed. Man, when that prophet spoke, the king of Nineveh got off his throne. He humbled himself for God, called a fast for all of Nineveh. A fast to get right before God to stop the judgment. And let me tell you something. When God intervened like that through that prophet's mouth, the king said, we're even putting the animals on a fast because we want the animals to be saved. Now, I don't know if animals can be saved, but I mean, if God's fixing to destroy the whole thing, you know, they, they maybe not eternally saved, but destroy saved from destruction. They put the animals on a fast. Right? There's something about the heart. It changes your heart. 
so that you'll be no longer cruel to animals. Man, that bothers me, man. Cruelty to animals. You know, I know and I, it bothers you too. Why does it bother you? Because you're a righteous person. You see those commercials, you see those dogs, all skinny, thin bones, you know. And, uh, you, you know, it brings tears to your eyes, man, because why? Because you're not a cruel person. You care. Godly people care. Hallelujah. We're pretty much giving up the animal kingdom. We're giving up having animals. Jeremiah had a snake, and he died. You know, his his rear came out of his rear, and we tried to put it back, and it came out again, and it, his rear just keep coming out of his rear. So we just had to just put him to sleep, you know, and. Uh, it's like, well, just go out there and let, you know, let him loose or cut his head off and be done. Well, no, we went and spent $50 so he would have a painless death. You know, right? No, serious. Somebody in the church said, give it to me. I'll take care of him. Brother David back there. Oh, Sniper. That's Sniper. That's the way. He's a good, he's a good man, though. He's a godly man. But Sniper said, bring it to me. I'll take care of that snake. Free of charge. We spent spent fifty dollars on the snake so he could go to sleep, painless death, and and then Jeremiah, after he got through with the snake business, then he went into the saltwater fish tank business, and hallelujah, hey, amen. All we have left now is corals and a rock. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all we got left, man. Is is some corals and a rock. And that's where it's going to stay. But the corals are alive, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, he did everything he possibly could. But, you know, even professionals have a hard time with saltwater fish. Okay, So it wasn't his fault. Amen. Just we need to get that clear. But, you know, man, they, the, the fish died. One of the, I guess they all died from ick. Everybody heard what ick is? Ick. It's like a fungus or something, a parasite that gets on the fish, gets up in the gills and suffocates them, ick. I mean, and they got this white stuff all over them like dandruff, all over them, you know, just ick. And the first fish are black, black and gold and white. And, and so I, he called it Nigel. I said, that's icky. <laughs> so said, icky had ick all over him. <laughs> so, so icky died. And then... And then Cheeto died, which is clownfish. I call him Clowny. Clowny died from ick. And then, what was the yellow one? Uh, what was the name of it? The kind of... The... Tang, a gold tang. Tang, right? Yellow tang, he died. So, anyway, I think we got... No, I take that back. We got some corals and a rock and some crabs. And... And one shrimp, one shrimp, red hot, sh red hot, Timmy is his name. <laughs> Man, red hot Timmy, he can live in any environment. Ick, icky, don't matter. He's a survivor. <laughs> You're serious, man. He got red on the back. You call him red hot Timmy. <laughs> So man, we're we're going out of the animal business, animal raising business, because seems like everything just wants to die on us. 
But I mean, it's crazy how you get attached to such little things, you know. You're going to cry over the dying, that little fish that dies. You're going to cry over it. Amen. Amen. So that's because you got a heart. How many of you have a heart? Amen. Amen. You got a heart. I got a heart. I got a heart. You got a heart? Praise the Lord. So what happens when you get God in your life? How many of y'all ever had an animal die? Okay. Did you cry? No, I, for days. Right? It's part of the family. It's almost like you're God and you're taking care of these little creatures. Right? And then they die on you and you feel like you let them down. I know, it's hard. It's hard. Brother Edmonds won't even have an animal. Brother Edmonds told me, he said, he had a cat, and something happened to the cat. And so he said, Brother Carter, I'm not going to get any more animals. He said, I'm, I get too emotionally attached to them. You know. Amen. <clears throat> right? So a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Take care of him. <clears throat> The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Man, it's one thing in mercies. If you're a merciful person and it's cruel, that's bad. But tender mercies? Man, that's supposed to be the best of the best of you. And if the best of the best of you are cruel, man, how cruel is that? You understand? Am I boring you? I'm sorry. Okay, that's. I almost quit the book of Proverbs last night. I just, I did. I almost quit it. Anyway, but I kept going because I felt like God told me I needed to do it. If nothing else, to preach on Panana Hannah. All this other is just extra. Okay? Alright, let's look at it. Let's keep going. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Right? Again, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with what? Bread. But he that followeth what? Vain is vanity. Leave persons out. Because it's italicized. He that followeth vanity is void of understanding. That means, brothers and sisters, listen, I know, forgive me, it's just, but that's the way the book of Proverbs is. It goes from one thing to another. It is important for us not to be chasing after Empty pursuits all the time. You and I can spend so much of our time and so much of our life chasing after empty pursuits. Okay? So the Bible's telling us instead of going after these worthless pursuits of life, amen, uh, cultivate things in life that will be fruitful for you. Okay? Verse 12. How many of y'all know we all pursue empty pursuits in life? Just waste, really just a waste. Okay. The wicked desireth the nut of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. So the righteous person is going to yield fruit, right? But you have wicked people, and what do they do? Well, they see what's, what the wicked have in their nets. Okay. 
And when they see the wicked, what the wicked have in their life, in their nets, they secretly desire that. You know, they don't want what they have. See, what the wicked have in their nets. But the Bible says the righteous person is the person that's going to have fruit in their life. Amen. So I, I don't want I don't want what the wicked gathers in their nets. Desire it. That's what he's talking about here. As a covet is a desiring. Okay, <clears throat> verse thirteen: The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. I believe that, don't you? Amen. We're going to be saved by what comes out of our mouth, uh, but it's a trap. The wicked will trap themselves in the transgression. You know why? Because they'll tell a lie, and then see the thing about if okay. If you don't have anything to hide, okay, a righteous person doesn't have anything to hide. So they don't have to go through life always trying to cover a story that they've told that wasn't true, a lie that they've told that wasn't true. Then you ask them again about it and they change it. Why, do they, why is the story always changing? Because it's a lie. But the righteous person doesn't have anything to hide. Amen? What comes out of your mouth is the truth. But you don't have to always... See, I have a friend who told me the other day. He said, man, his wife is a trainer, personal trainer. And he said, my wife is working with some people. And they'll walk up to her and they'll tell her about a workout they did. And then next time they go and talk to her, they completely change the work that what they did. You know what he said to her? He said, you need to be more careful about who you work with. And what did, he, what did he say? He went on to say, he told his wife, he said, watch their body language. I told him, I just taught the church that. Watch people's body language. Amen. Experience and observation will tell you how to apply a proverb. And I just told him that. So, amen, there's some people, man, they're going to be trapped because there's something always coming out of their mouth that's not true. And eventually, amen, they're going to keep changing the story and keep changing the story and keep changing the story. Pretty soon, they're trapped. Somebody, a very wise attorney, know how to trap people in their lies. Amen? See. Woo! Praise the Lord. And not just wise attorneys, but a good mom and dad knows how to find out the truth. See, I know some of y'all think mom and dad's dumb, stupid. You've got to pull the wool over their eyes and you're one thing one place and another, one thing in church and another thing over here when you're with your buddies. Right? But your mother and your father are a lot smarter than you think. They have the ability to trap you, to snare you with what comes out of your mouth. So you just tell them the truth because you can't tell the same lie twice the same way. You just can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you're going to change one little detail and then go, I got you. 
If you're a righteous person, you don't have anything to hide. You just come out and tell the truth. If you're trying to hide something, you're going to try to cover it up. And eventually you'll get, you'll fall into trap, man. Best thing to do, just be truthful. Hallelujah. I've, I've sat with people in my office, man. I'll, I've talked to them. I said, did you do this? Did you do this? No. I knew they did. Amen. Come to find out they did. <laughs> Somebody said amen. So just might as well come out and tell the truth. Because if you're trying to hide something and cover it, I promise you, you won't be able to tell the same story over and over again. There will always be something a little bit different. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You'll be caught. Look at your name and say, you'll get caught. Your words is coming home to roost. You're going to get caught. Amen? That's why if you tell the truth, it'll always be the same. You, you try to, to lie and cover up, you're always going to be changing. Eventually you'll be trapped with your own words. A man shall be satisfied with, a, with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. You'll be satisfied if you've got the right kind of words. How many want to be satisfied? They speak the right words. You'll have satisfaction. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but that he either hearketh unto counsel is wise. A fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. That means a fool is never wrong. Brothers and sisters, a fool is never wrong. Not to him or her. They're never wrong. A fool will never admit they're wrong. How many of you know, brothers and sisters, tonight as I bore you with the book of Proverbs, how many of y'all know that you can be wrong? How many of y'all over here know you, 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 you can be wrong? I can be wrong. See, that's why I need counsel. Because I don't always see everything the way I should see it. Maybe there's a different way to handle this. There's a different approach. There's, there's words that can be said to change the outcome, right? But if, I don't need any help. I know everything. Are you King Solomon or what? Well, even King Solomon needed wisdom. There are, there are Proverbs that are written to Solomon and there are Proverbs that are written by Solomon. These are Proverbs that are written by Solomon. And the fool, you can't tell them anything. Because as the Bible says, they're always right. Right? It's, 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 it's one thing to be blind and know you're blind. It's another thing to be blind and say, I see said the blind man. <laughs> Look at your name and say, I, the blind man said, I see, said the blind man. I see, said the blind man. Now, I'm not putting down the blind man if you're offended by that. But if you're blind, but you, you walk around and say, I see, I see, said the blind man. That's what he's talking about. A fool, you can't tell a fool anything. 
Right? You try to tell them, you're wrong, let me show you where... No, I'm right. They, they're Because they're never wrong. Okay? But the Bible says, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. You know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I want somebody to show me, to counsel me and to show me that I'm wrong. And, and if I'm wrong, then I need to say, you know what, I was wrong. Thank you for helping me. Man, you've got to lay down your pride, your ego. See? And say, I'm willing to be corrected. Yeah. How many of y'all have ever been wrong at least one time in your life? One, only once. I didn't say twice. Once. Okay, well, at least just about, just about everybody here said they've been wrong one time in their life. If you've been wrong one time, then you can be wrong twice. <laughs> I hate to tell you. Amen. So the way, say the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. See, get counsel, man. Whatever you, what you're doing in life, especially big stuff, big stuff in life, get some direction. Get some counsel. Ask somebody to give you some input about it. Okay? Just real practical stuff. Say so your car breaks down. Oh, I know how to fix it. Well, if you know how to fix it, good. But if you don't know how to fix it, don't act like you know how to fix it. Right? Go to the mechanic. You know? You go in the doctor's office, sit down, and he becomes the patient, you become the doctor. You're supposed to tell him where it hurts, and he's supposed to say, okay, here's you know, your options. Now, now don't, don't go hook, line, and sinker with everything they say, but at least listen to the fella. You know, instead of going in there and you the doctor. Because you could be wrong. Amen? But you got a pastor. You got a pastor. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a pastor. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm doing. Well, good. I pray to God you do. But there's sometimes you don't always know what's right. And it would probably help you a little bit if you go in there in my office and talk to me sometimes. Because I might, might, God might give me a word to help you so you change the way you're thinking. And it might help you, man. It might keep your car from blowing up. It might cause you to be healed in your body. I'm not, you know, I'm talking mechanic talk. But you know how some people are, man. They chief mechanic. They the surgeon general. You know, I, you, oh, hallelujah. Anybody? Yeah, I'm talking to you now, man. See, that's the characteristics of a fool. They know it all about everything. That's insanity. Nobody knows everything about everything. Say praise the Lord. Y'all okay? So don't be, don't be like the fool. Your way's right. No, man. 
there's people that can help us. We need help. See, the blind, the blind man thinking he can see. See, Jesus talked about Pharisees. The Pharisees were like that. See, they were blind but thought they could see. He said, you're blind, right? But you say that you're able to see. You say that you see. See, you don't know how blind you are, man. The blind man saying he can see. You don't know how blind you are. It'll get us a lot of trouble. We don't seek out counsel. Amen. Has anybody ever helped you? Anybody ever helped you? You ever listen to somebody? Did they ever change your mind? Right? Yeah. Amen. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Again, we're still talking about words. Um, Verse 18, there is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Again, slander, man. It's like a knife, like a sword piercing your heart. These are all outcrops of, of, of the tongue is an outcrop of the character. Verse 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. That means it won't last. It won't last. Truth is going to continue, man. It's going to go on and on and on and on. But a lie won't last. It'll come to an end. That's right. Doesn't have a very long life. Say praise the Lord. Doesn't have a long life. If it's a lie, it doesn't have a long life. Truth does. Believe that. Say amen. Woo, you should know the truth and the truth will make you free. Man, I don't know if you're all bound up tonight. You're bound up. The truth will make you free. If you're bound might be listening to a lie. Because the truth will make you free. You just got to find it. You got to hear it. You got to, yeah, that's it. That's right. Verse 20, deceit in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. But to the counselors of peace is joy. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deception. But to the counselors of peace is joy. See, these images, the imaginations that we have in our heart, we can be building idols, images. We got images set up in our heart, all kinds of idols set up in our heart, the things with deceptions. Idolatrous deception. Amen? The counselor, but to the counselors of peace is what? Is joy. God talks, Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers, for those are the kingdom of God. God. God wants to bring peace to our life. Now if we're not right with God, He'll take peace from our life. But if we're right with God, He wants us to have peace. And He's going to put people in your life to count you, bring peace to you. Verse 21, there shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. This is a general statement, right? 
There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. That simply, simply means that a person, the wicked, they just go from one sin to another sin. Mischief. Okay? Always tearing down the good. Always tearing down the good. Always tearing the, down the good. Penina. Always, te- I'm stuck on Penina. Always tearing down the good, right? Okay. Say praise the Lord. Sin, from one sin to another sin to another sin to another sin. But we see here, there shall no evil happen to the just. And I believe what God is saying there is that God will give you the ability to resist sin. I don't, I don't take that that there's never going to be a bad thing that comes your way. We know the Word of God shows constantly people that went, righteous people that suffered. But I do believe this in a general way. That you, when you do go through trouble, that eventually God will, if you will be patient, that's the key, is patience. If you will be patient and you'll wait on God and pray, eventually God will give you wisdom to show you how to get out of that trouble. If you'll be patient, God will step in and help you out of that trouble. But you have to be patient and you have to listen to God and you have to wait on God. And I do believe that's a reality. But He will always be there to help us resist sin. Praise God. Believe it. But the evil, the wicked, they're filled with mischief. It's one sin after another. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are His delight. Abomination. God hates liars. God hates liars. I always tell my kids, say, don't you ever lie. Because lying is a moral sin. That is a sin of immorality. Amen. And we, we live in a society, man, people, they lie. They just lie left and right. Some people lie so much they can't even tell the truth anymore. Lying is an immoral thing. They don't lie about anything. Don't lie about anything. It's moral. Praise God. To abominate something that God hates. All liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Liars. A lifestyle of liars, you're going to be in the lake of fire. Lying will put you in hell, man. It's moral. Well, I just, somebody said, I just told a little white lie. No such thing. Little white lie. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. That's one thing, man. Lying, you can be in error. I have been in error at times. Been in error. But lying is you know what is factually accurate and you are deliberately seeking to mislead somebody. That's lying. Deliberately seeking to mislead somebody with what you're saying. Or what you're doing. Okay? So you might be an error, but that don't make you a liar. But if you're intentionally misleading somebody with your actions or with your words, that's what God's talking about. Trying to hide something, trying to cover something up, and living a lie. 
It's not just what you do with your mouth. That's a, you, you and I can live a lie. Here he's talking about lying lips or an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Something that God hates is lying. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. Amen. Amen. Again, the fool, verse 23. There's so much in the Bible that talks about the fool. If we had time, we could just teach you on the fool, what the characteristics of the fool are. But here we see that the fool is always talking foolish words. Just foolish talk, okay? A prudent man concealeth knowledge. Amen. I think a prudent man concealing knowledge has to do with the fact that they think things through, okay? Especially big decisions. They'll hold the knowledge in. They'll think it through. They'll think about what they're doing. Okay? That kind of a thing. Uh, won't do a lot of talking. Just gonna think. But a fool, on the other hand, man, they just ramble. Just talk, talk, talk. They never stop talking. The wise man, though, righteous man, Prudent man thinks things through. If you think things through in life, another thing, brothers and sisters, um, don't don't speak out everything. Don't say everything that comes to your mind. Okay, don't say, don't repeat everything you've heard. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. This is just so basic, you know. But I'm talking to you, alright? That's all I'm doing is talking to you. I know you know all this, but that's okay. Let me talk to you. When you go around and you say things with your mouth, you have to remember that God is not the only one that's hearing that. See? When you and I say things with our mouth, the devil hears it. And brothers and sisters, there's some things that you're, you might think, okay, in your mind, but you don't want to say it with your mouth because when you do, the devil knows your heart. Now, God, God, see, the devil's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. But God does. So there's some things that between you and God, you don't even say them. They're between you and God. And God, you know, you, see, you say, God, you know my heart right now. You know my thoughts right now. Now, God, I'm not going to say it because if I do, the enemy's going to hear it. But you are omniscient and you know what I'm going through. You know what's in my mind. You know what's in my heart. You don't say everything because if you do, you're giving the enemy ammunition. So the prudent man is going to conceal knowledge. There's some things. Okay, you say praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Very important. Very important to think things through. Not always be talking all the time. And for sure, don't say everything you know. Don't say everything that's coming to your mind. As soon as you do, see the enemy, he knows, man, he finds you. That's, we had testimony service. Uh, y'all did a wonderful job testifying Sunday night. Those of you who God helped, and I praise God for that, you know. But all I can say is that not that any of you did anything wrong, is that when I opened up a service for testimony, uh, it's very dangerous because 
You know, God's not the only one here. There's some, their enemy, the enemy has come too. He can listen to what's being said. And then, you know, you know where you're coming from, but the church might not know where you're coming from. And so here comes the enemy, man. He starts talking to the church. You know what I'm saying? And then you go home and you feel bad what came out of your mouth. You meant it one way, but you felt bad because it came out a certain way. It might be misinterpreted. You see what I mean? And I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong. I'm just saying that it's real important that at times, man, you just reflect. Okay? You, you just get in a place with God and you just sit there and you think and you reflect. Get your mind straight. Okay, look. Look. Go by the Word of God. Look at your history. Don't look at the present situation. Look at your history and see what God has done for you, right? To find reality, man. Whew. I got to be careful, see. I have to be careful too as your pastor. Sometimes I go through things and I get up in the pulpit, I say things, and man, I can, I can really it'd be a real, real problem. You know. Okay? Amen. So think things through before you speak. Hallelujah. Uh, don't say everything. Lucian never say, don't say everything. Man. Man, I tell you, I tell you what, that's, you know why I don't open up services or testimonies very often? Because you can get yourself in trouble like your pastor does. Man, you stand up and you're a public speaker and you got words constantly coming out of your mouth. Boy, you, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, I think about it, man. I, you, I get myself in trouble sometimes. Amen. That's why James says, don't many, the book of James is the book of wisdom in the New Testament. It says, that's why it says, don't be many teachers among you. For you shall receive the greater judgment. You're telling people how to live, preaching the Word of God, telling people what's right and what's wrong. And then, so you're the teacher. You're going to receive a greater judgment than anybody you're preaching to. Okay, it's real easy, isn't it, man? You get anointed, brothers. You know what I'm saying. Some of your sisters know what I'm saying. Get behind the pulpit, man. There's an anointing. You you feel invincible. You invincible. You feel power. The power of God, man. You're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of any devil, any person, nothing. Because that anointing is there, so powerful. You can say things so boastful. Okay? Woo. You're yourself in trouble. And then after you step down, you're just a normal old human being. That's right. See, when I, st I still have the call on my life wherever I am. The call of God is still on my life. But when I step down from that pulpit, I'm Jerry Carter. I'm just like you, and I'm vulnerable. See, a preacher is not is no more vulnerable than after he steps down after that out of that pulpit. That is the most vulnerable time that a preacher will ever be in, and so that's why you guys have to be careful that when y'all come to me and you want to talk to me about heavy stuff after I've got through preaching, I'm really vulnerable. Okay, uh, so. Be careful with that. Because I might say something to you at that moment that's not 
correct, hadn't been thought through. So anyway, it's a very touchy thing. So anointing is here, man. That anointing, that inspiration, the the flowing of God's word out of that person's mouth. And yes, it's I believe that God at times saying powerful things and strong things. But then when you step down, you know, that invisible anointing. You still got the Holy Ghost, but that anointing's not there. So you got to go out there and you got to shake hands with uh, everybody else just like you. Okay? So it's very dangerous to be a public speaker. Like Jesus said, don't be many, many teachers among you. If God's going to give... What comes out of my mouth, I'm going to give account before God Almighty someday. More than you'll ever, ever do. Okay? Alright? So be, we have to be careful, don't we? One of the Bibles that I pray, God set a watchman before our mouth. You know, a guard, don't let anything come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out of Pray that, God, just put that guard there. Don't, so nothing comes out of my mouth that shouldn't come out. Right? Amen? I want to speak, when I speak, I want to speak as the oracles of God. What the Bible said. There's limitations on what a preacher can say. And the limitations on a preacher or anybody else's as the oracles of God. And that's what I want to come out of my mouth. The oracles of God. I do not want to get up and just be talking a bunch of stupid foolishness. The oracles of God. Okay? When we talk, let's be let's be careful with what we say. Make sure we're supposed to say it. Make sure we thought about it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, so, it's important, is it not? Prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of a fools proclaimeth foolishness. <clears throat> we can overtalk something. <laughs> yeah, man. Is it only nine ten? I'm flying tonight. You know, can't we? We can overtalk stuff, can't we? How many of y'all ever overtalked something? Oh, we'll talk some man. It should have stopped 30 minutes ago. You know, we did good, and then all of a sudden we just kept, just kept on going, man. Just kept, you know. And on talking about pretty soon, man, you just sit up blabbering. Just anyway, God help us to know when to stop talking and to conceal some knowledge. Well, one thing too, I tell you, somebody want to hear your knowledge and shut up. You know, you want to walk up there and tell them, "Hey, I know you with me." A good example, you know, you might be the most uh, educated person in the gym, and you see somebody lifting wrong, brother Patrick over here. Let's say he sees me lifting wrong one day. He walks over there, "Hey, you're not doing that right." Well, you know, I'd probably accept it from him because I know him. And I say, hey, brother, show me how to do it right, you know. But there are a lot of people who wouldn't want him to tell them how to do it. Even though they were doing it wrong and he knows what, the right way, they wouldn't want him to tell them. Because, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you just got to keep all of that powerful knowledge you have to yourself. <laughs> and there's some people who just don't even want to know it. Amen. And some of y'all are praying right now, Lord, I wish Pastor would conceal some knowledge so we can go home. <laughs> it's about that time. It's time for this word to be applied. 
Because <laughs> I have forgotten everything he said. Everything but Panana and Hannah. And that's the one we were supposed to get tonight, but I decided to go ahead and give you a little more. <laughs> we were forgetting everything else but that one. <laughs> Amen. I know. 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slow, slothful shall be under tribute. Amen. Praise God. Be diligent. We, have to, we need to be diligent. Don't be lethargic. See, if we're, not, if we're lethargic in life, the Bible is telling us right here, we'll be under tribute, man. Right? Don't be lethargic. You can have spiritual lethargy. Man, lethargic. There's some people that have a spiritual lethargy, man. They're just pff, lethargic. Don't move. You know what I'm saying? There's an old prophet in the Bible. He was lethargic. He is the example of being a lethargic preacher. And God had to send a young man to get the job done because that old prophet was so lethargic, he wouldn't do anything. You know? Don't let spiritual lethargy get a hold of you. Very dangerous because that leads to idolatry. You go through the Word of God, and if you do a study on uh, the, the word lethargic, lethargy, or whatever, you, it is something that will lead you to idolatry if you get spiritually lethargic. Okay? Man, make sure you stay on fire for God because that will lead you into that dormant state. Man, it will lead you into idolatry. Amen? Idleness, no... no uh, Production. So the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. You know, sloth. Is, sloth is a real animal. Y'all have seen them, right? See, see. I I don't have to be real smart to preach this. Sloth is slow. See, there. If you're diligent, right? You're not lethargic, but the sloth is lethargic. You ever seen them? Man, they, this is about how fast they move. I mean, they're like, whew. Looks like some people in Bible Center Fellowship. <laughs> I mean, you know what he's saying? <laughs> Y'all used to move a little faster, but spiritually speaking, You don't know what a sloth is. Go get on the computer. Those of you who have a computer, and go look up sloth and see. Watch them move. They move so slow. Hallelujah. Don't let spiritual lethargy get a hold of you. Don't be lethargic spiritually. Don't be lethargic in life. Praise God. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Your heart gets heavy. You get depressed. Get discouraged. No, heart's heavy, right? But the Bible tells us, but a good word maketh it glad. It can change it. Man, a good word, a good word, you know, from God, man, it'll lift all that worry and that anxiety and that depression, discouragement. Good word will do that. That old heavy heart, man, sometimes I get a heavy heart. I know you do too, right? Praise the Lord. 
You know, make it stoop down, make it just burdened, burden, burden, burden. You ever, you ever had a burdened heart, heavy heart, burden, man, burden. Just your heart stoop down. Then somebody gives you a good word, whew, all of a sudden, whew, anxiety and worry lifts. Praise the Lord. Man, maybe, maybe all that husband needs is Hannah to walk up and say, "I'm proud of you. I love you." Yeah, you're you're doing a good job. Panana make you have a heavy heart. <laughs> I was telling you how now Christina don't call me stupid, but she says, if they, if a wife always tell you how stupid you are, you you're no good. You never do anything right. You never do anything. <laughs> oh man. That banana, well, she'll wear you into the dirt. Hannah, though, you're doing a good job. I love you. I'm thankful you're a man of God. That's what she should have been doing. Banana, she should have said, I thank God you're a man of God. I thank God you love God. Now that'll do something, wouldn't it? Praise the Lord. You know, you know, good. I knew you you wasn't any good when I married you. <laughs> Mama told me not to marry you. Why are you shaking your head? Yes, for Christina. She's going. She didn't say that. They couldn't wait to hand her over. Right? They said, we'll give you money if you'll take her. <laughs> That's her brother for you. He's, he's funny. Marcus is funny. He's real funny. So we'll pay you if you'll take her, you know. <laughs> Amen. You, you're just not going to get very far with a man like that. They just don't tick that way. They don't function that way. Now, you go up there and you brag on them and, you know, say you're doing a good job. I mean, don't lie, but I mean, find something good. Find something good to say. Find something good to say. Okay? And you tell them, tell them something good to encourage them, you know. A good word. Praise the Lord. Right? And if they don't respond, it's not your fault. Okay? If they're still lethargic and slothful, it's not your fault. You did what you could to try to encourage them, okay? But I promise you, you're not going to help them. You keep kicking them. Praise the Lord. Y'all believe God's word? So heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Man, we need a word of encouragement sometime. Verse 26, The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth him. That's why you have to be careful with the people because they will lead you astray. Very quick, I'm going to move fast now. People will lead you astray. So you have to be very careful that when people come and talk that you don't allow yourself to believe it. If it's something that's going to lead you astray, say, uh, hey, your neighbor will do that to you. 
Woo, man. Verse 27, the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Make the best of your opportunities. I'm going to say it again. Make the best of your opportunities. When you have an opportunity, you make the best of it. Because you want to be like the man. He goes out and kills the, you know, as the Word of God says, uh, kills what you, you know, you took it to honey, you killed it, but then you wouldn't clean it. So it goes to waste. This is the slothful man. Things that go, go to waste. Opportunities not taken advantage of. Alright, praise the Lord. Y'all get it. Okay. Amen. It's sad, man. You go out there hunt, you're hungry. You kill your food, then you're too lazy to, to clean the thing, lead it. Right? Wasted opportunities. In the way of the righteous is life, and the pathway thereof there is no death. Say, look at your neighbor, say the alive man. The righteous man is alive. They're alive. They're not dead. They're alive. Praise God. Now look at your neighbor, say, are you alive or dead? Which one are you? A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth no rebuke. That means you're a teachable person. Hallelujah. A scorner is a mocker, not a teachable person. Verse 2, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. It's like you eat poison. How many of y'all want to eat good things? I want to eat good things. I don't want to eat poison. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I don't want to be the kind of person that's constantly disappointed in life. And a sluggard wants, but a sluggard don't get. So they're constantly disappointed in life. Verse 5, A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is, is loathsome and cometh to shame. Right, say right words. You are people that should have right words, not lies. Amen. A righteous man hateth lying. That means if somebody comes to you with a lie, you haven't validated what they're saying, they're gossiping, they're slandering, you won't believe it, you won't listen to it. You'll get away from it. Say praise God. You're a wise person if you do that. Righteous keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. This is the wages of sin. Verse 7. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Amen? When you give to the Lord, okay, you may give in a sense. You make yourself less rich when you give to the Lord. But when you do, you're rich. Hallelujah. Because you can't outgive God. Bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. And it might make you have less money, but you're rich. Because you've got the favor of God in your life. That's what you want. And sometimes God will bless you with substance. He will bless you at times with physical benefits. But it's not always going to be physical. It's not always going to be with substance. But you will have the favor of God in your life. There's, there's so much in this verse that talks about more than money. Amen. There's a... Uh, making themselves riches, you'd have nothing. There is a, making themselves poor, you'd have great riches. Again, we talk about uh, knowledge of the Word of God. There's some people that claim they have a knowledge of the Word of God, don't have a knowledge of the Word of God. People that walk around and they don't have an air and don't try to put out there that they have a knowledge of the Word of God. A lot of those people have a real knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? Say praise the Lord. 
real quick, one time I asked my pastor about a man. I had a book, uh, Dwight Pentecost. It's called Things to Come. Okay, Now, he's a pre-tribulationist, so uh, I, I, he's wrong on that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but it's an awesome book on eschatology, end times. And I had this book. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, I said, it's amazing to me that a man could write this kind of book that don't have the Holy Ghost. And my pastor looked at me and he said, Brother Carter, we don't know. He might have the Holy Ghost. Dwight Pentecost. You read some of the things Dwight Pentecost read. He's from a Baptist, okay? About Baptist College, man. He was a professor at Baptist College. Some of the writing of the books I had to, they required when I was getting a license in my, and in, in when I was in the organization, they required me to read a book on the life of Jesus by Dwight Pentecost. He's so powerful. They required me to read that. Okay? Okay? So you never know what I'm saying is you never know what some people have. They may, they may appear like they don't have it, but they got it. Then there's some people that appear that they have it, try to make an appearance they got it, but they don't have it. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Again, it's false appearances, man. You can't always go by what you see on the outside. Are y'all with me? I know it's getting late, man. I just got the preacher on me tonight. But I remember, i am be honest with you, not very often. But before I started being a preacher to pastor, in a church, I was a saint just like you. I'm still a saint right now, but I'm still a preacher saint now. And I'd be sitting in a church, and then man, that preacher would have a man come and speak, and I'd look at that man and say, that guy don't know nothing. What's he doing up there? And I mean, I, would, I shouldn't have that attitude, right? That's wrong. I know I'm wrong. But that guy don't know nothing. What's he doing up there? And I am not kidding you. That guy that looked like he didn't know nothing just blew our minds because he didn't appear like he did, but he had it. And a lot of times people that appear like they have it don't have it. Woo! Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm, I'm fixing to commit blasphemy. Okay? To your ears. But I would rather go hear a Baptist preacher preach that knows that book then go hear a Pentecostal preacher that don't know that book any day. And I know that's blasphemy to your ears. <laughs> In fact, when I go to Ruidosa, New Mexico, there's an old Baptist preacher that I met. Me and my wife met him at a barbecue place. And uh, I don't think he's, what, he's 80, 90 years old. Still pastoring. And when I go to Rio Doso, and we're planning on in the near future doing that, I'm probably going to go see that old man and hear him preach. You with me? And I'm not saying the little apostolic church there doesn't preach good, but I know he does. So I'm, I know that's blasphemy. Y'all can't believe I do that, but yeah. Somebody said, praise the Lord. But they don't have all the truth, Pastor. How do you know? He don't have the Holy Ghost. How do you know? Uh, bro, my pastor, really, he told me that. That really shocked me. I figured he said, yeah, that's right, Brother Carter. They don't have the Holy Ghost like us. He said, how do you know he don't have the Holy Ghost? The white Pentecost. For him to write like he does. 
Okay? I appreciate y'all being patient with me tonight as I just ramble on. There's some people to have that you'd be surprised. Some people you think to have that don't have it. They just talk a good talk. Right? Praise the Lord. Right, let's go on. The ransom of man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. You know, of course, for self-explanatory, you in a situation where you have to pay a ransom, money can get you out of that situation, right? But the poor heareth not rebuke. Verse 9, The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prospects of light, man. The prospects of living righteously. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. See, pride is going to bring contention. But with the wise, is that what it says? But with the well-advised is wisdom. What are you saying? There are some people, man, they're like Korah. They exercise self-will. They put their will above the Word of God Almighty, man. That's pride. You ever put yourself above the Word of God Almighty? You know you're walking in pride. That causes contention. Look what the contention that Korah brought up. It came from his pride. He put himself above the Word of God Almighty, man. Pride will do that. But with the well-advised is what? Wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. See, there's something about steady increase. I heard somebody not long ago make a statement. I don't know if it's true, but a financial counselor said this. If you get a job and you keep a job for 10 years, you'll be successful in life. I don't know if that's true or not. He's done the research. I don't know. But that's what he said. You get a job and you keep it for 10 years, he said you'll succeed in life. Why? The principle is there. Steady increase. Steady income is better than sudden wealth. Now the people that uh, the Bible talks about here that uh, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Wealth that's gotten the wrong way, it'll, it'll, it'll have wings like a bird, man. It'll just fly away. Here today, easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. It has wings, man. It's not got, you get the wealth the wrong way. Like a gambler, he can have a roll this big one day. And the next day, can't even buy a piece of bread to eat. Can't buy a cup of coffee. Can't buy a cup of coffee. A roll this big one day and can't buy a cup of coffee the next day. Because he got his wealth the wrong way. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Why? Why? Why he have a big old roll of money one day and the next day can't buy a cup of coffee? Because he went and gambling. He just kept gambling. The odds are against you. So Sister Christina says, if God wouldn't reveal it, you know, she said, I'd go buy a scratch-off ticket. That's, That's what she says, yeah. She said, my problem is I would win and then everybody know it, you know. God would reveal it. Everybody know it. Because I'd win if I got a scratch-off ticket. That's right? right? Yeah. But I'm going to just tell you, the odds are against you, all you scratch-off ticket people. 
You go buy a scratch-off ticket from 7-Eleven or wherever you get it. And guess what? Scratch it off. You lose. You go buy another one. You buy 10. You buy 20. You buy 30. You buy 50 the next time. And pretty soon, you bought hundreds and hundreds of scratch-off tickets. The odds are against you. If you get one scratch-off ticket that brings you $10, you spend 500 to get 10 Stop spending your money on, on scratch-off tickets. Praise the Lord. Like Sister Christine said, if she'd got a scratch-off ticket, she'd win the million. And everybody'd see her on the news, you know. <laughs> just, but wealth that's gotten the wrong way, man, it'd just be gone. That's why it's important to be consistent. Because you never say, be consistent. Consistent, steady income is where it is. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Well, I'm going to go, somebody said, I'm going to rob a bank. Well, it's, it's the wrong way to get money. Gambling is the wrong way to get money. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I took away y'all. Some of y'all are saying, hey, that's the last thing I had. And he took that away from me. Scratch off tickets. That's the last thing I want. The last vice I had, and he just took that away from me. You take everything I got, Pastor. And he said, well, Pastor, I've got the winning ticket. I'm going to put in the offering plate. I can't accept that. That's the hire of the harlot. That's an abomination to God. Now, if you win the money, not the, and then we can circumcise it. You bring the tithe. No, I'm just kidding. We're gonna, we're gonna make it clean. Yeah, we're gonna make it clean. We're gonna, no, just forgive me. God, if you do that, you win. Don't even tell me, man. Just put it in the plate. Don't even tell me where it came from. Just drop it in the plate. That <laughs> goodness. Man, I said, man, somebody got a big tax refund. That's a big tax refund. <laughs> no, I, I forgive you. I'm just messing with you. But that's but the word of God's right, man. Wealth is gotten in vanity shall diminish, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Praise God. Amen, brothers and sisters. Might take you longer to accumulate. That's yeah, all right. Just be consistent, man. Be steady. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good. That's good. Hallelujah. Amen. See, some people, they want to change jobs every week or month. They want to change jobs. Well, you know, I got an offer of making 50 more cents than I am here, Pastor. Should I take that job? No. You get in one place, you stay there. You stay there. You stay there. In the long run, you win. If you're the kind of person that always changing jobs all the time, you're never going to get ahead. I've seen it too many times in my life. Hallelujah. You stay right where you are. God can bless you right where you are. Now, obviously, if some big, big thing comes, you take it. But I'm, I'm talking about a person that's constantly inconsistent, changing jobs all the time. doesn't work. I've, I've seen it personally. Seen it in people's lives. Okay, where do we go? 
Heart, hope deferreth, maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, is a tree of life. God knows we need to see our hopes come to pass. Man, if you never see any hope come to pass, you're, your heart's sick all the time. Right? I mean, just one devastating blow after another. We need some hope. We need to see our hopes realized. God knows that we need to see our hopes realized. He knows if we don't, we just get heart sick, man. It's hard to live, live through that way. Whoso despise the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Whose word are we talking about? God's word. God's word. We need to hide God's word in our hearts, the commandments of God. Verse 14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. We should fear God. Amen. Verse 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is what? It's hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Okay? What's that say? It means he works in wisdom. The wise person is working in wisdom. A prudent man dealeth. He is constantly dealing in knowledge. Right? Amen? But the fool, what does the fool do? Only talks about it. So be the kind of person that's constantly working in knowledge, the knowledge of the Word of God, constantly in the book, constantly in the Word of God, studying, dealing in the knowledge, the Word of God, and don't just talk about what you know. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is held. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth, refuseth what? Instruction. Going back to chapter 12, verse 1. The importance of instruction. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. That's correction, right? The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it's an abomination to fools to depart from evil. See, once again, the fool. Talk about the fool. The fool thinks it's ridiculous to leave, to depart from evil. They don't understand why people stop living in sin. They don't see any reason to stop living in sin. They don't see a reason to, to depart from evil. To them, it's, it's foolishness to depart from evil. Right? Okay, you got that. Amen. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. What's he teaching you? He's telling you what to do with a fool. How do you treat a fool? You don't run with them. You get away from them. Because they will lead you down the path of destruction. I believe that today. Okay. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Wow. Chickens come home to roost. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Say inheritance. Praise the Lord. Now, the most important thing you can do as I come to a close tonight as parents is to leave your children with a godly inheritance. Nothing more important than you could ever do. More important than money, houses, cars. The most important thing you can do is to raise them in the church and to leave with them a godly heritage. Okay? But also, if you have the ability to lay up in store, to prepare for your children in the future. Amen. An inheritance uh, doesn't mean that you have to give it to them when you die, but give it to them when they're wise. 
Because if you give it to them while they're alive, while you're alive, you may have the ability to manage and control it and oversee it. Okay? But if you do that, make sure they're old enough, okay, to be disciplined to handle that. Uh, amen. Okay? But a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. See, sometimes even though you have a will, doesn't mean that they're going to honor that will. Some of the sinner says, okay, my money's going to go this place, my money's going to go there. Well, by the time it gets through the courts and everything else, everybody gets involved with it. Amen? It might not go where you want it. God might turn it where it goes into the hands of the righteous. So the, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Believe that. Wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. I believe that, God. Man, God's going to reward His people at some point. There could be a transfer of wealth in the end times where the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred into the hands of the righteous man. So you be there. When that ship comes in, you better be there at the dock to get it. When you quit and give up, man, man, God's got stuff. God's got blessings waiting for some of you. It doesn't come from Believer is going to come from the unbeliever. Be faithful to God. Amen? So you'll be the just. <clears throat> Much food is in the tillings of the poor, but there is that that destroyeth for want of judgment. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Simply, you know what it's saying. Make sure you correct your children. Beat the tar out of them. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Sister Kathy says, yes. I'm only kidding. No, seriously though, you have, you, it's so important for you to correct your children. You have to discipline them. You have to correct them. Brothers and sisters, God corrects us. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us God corrects us. If God corrects you and me, then we as parents are responsible to correct our children. If you don't, correct them and have trouble. So make sure you discipline your children. Amen. Hallelujah. I think you got it. The righteous eateth to the, sati to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Just, amen. The righteous have enough. Look at you, stand up. The righteous have enough. God is good. Hallelujah. <laughs> the righteous had enough. Everybody say, everybody look at your neighbor and say, I've had enough. Me too. <laughs> me too. I love y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for being patient with me. I teach in the book of Proverbs, you've got to be real patient. And you're real patient. All right. Lord bless you. Father, we thank you right now. We ask your blessings to rest upon your people as they go from here tonight. Let peace reign in their homes. You know every need that is here, God. And we know that you're able, well able, to provide that need. We love you. We thank you for helping us tonight and giving us words of understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.